I mean, skinny guys with glasses don't just look like Corey Shreppel. Like short, skinny guys with glasses aren't all Corey Shreppels. Just there. Comrades, this is Wes Dine from the 55-1 Podcast. I am joined by Rodrigo Sanchez-Chevaria, Mark Fangmeyer. Corey Shreppel is still um, on his uh, walkabout in Iceland. Yeah, um, I, I think he's eating whale testicles at yeah, this point. Whale testicles cool. with, with Bjork. Mm-hmm. I thought he was uh, he was searching for uh, woolly, woolly mammoths in the permafrost. I, I like know. to eat Whale testicles with Corey Shreppel. That's my um, that's my Bjork voice. So in this week's podcast, we are going to talk about. Uh, I guess we're going to talk about Minnesota United versus Colorado. We'll probably try to find anything else other than talk about uh, because we're at that part of the season where I think we've basically said everything we can about this team. Like honestly, it's just like we said it back in May, and it's still kind of true now. Um, but. Before then, we've got lots of uh, we've we've got good, bad, and weird news. That um, let's just spend some time on that because um, we'll just do everything to not talk about this game. The good news is that on Friday night, I, I think uh, yeah, I mean the three of us were were there at Allianz mm-hmm. Field to see um, Como Park versus the Humboldt uh, Highbridgers. Um, <laughs> And uh, and it was you know I was only there for the the girls game which is at five thirty. Um, they beat Humboldt one nothing. Uh, I don't care about the boys game because they're not as cool. But how did how did that one end, uh, Rodrigo? Oh, that one went to PKs. Oh, that was settled in PKs and Humboldt won three two. Oh, I think unfortunately. Um, yeah, one of the, the one of the last Como players did did a Baggio and oh. just skied it. And, and yeah, yeah. So, so this was. Uh, I want to hear about it from you and your family's perspective, Rodrigo, because uh, you had um, both Isa and G playing in this game. Uh, for me, just as a, a a person who was there looking at at the stadium, there was just the one um, main stand area um, filled with people. It was about two thousand people. It looked like to me, maybe I don't know, maybe more. Um, mostly young people mostly like high school kids mostly like poc high school kids who probably have never been in the stadium maybe won't be in it for another five years or something um and having a great time all of them masked by the way uh they were very good masking at this and uh and it wasn't like being strictly enforced it was just because it's easy to do um and uh, for me, just watching the watching the girls out there, I I got very choked up and emotional because it was just like getting to see something that we really wanted to see in the community. We wanted to see this stadium be more than just um, the home to right. our soccer team. And um, I'll, I'll just say briefly, just Manny Lagos. When I saw him the next night um, at uh, at the NSC. Um, anniversary party that we'll talk about he he talked about that about how it was really meaningful for him he just woke up in a better mood than he had been in a long time because you know they got to he's wanted that the teams wanted to be able to do this covid got in the way they've wanted to be able to have the stadium be more than just for them and uh and it was a really special moment i, I saw a ton of people um from the minnesota soccer world there and and uh yeah a, it was great a ton of people i don't know so 
Yeah, I mean, I think for for us, I mean, like this is you know been three plus years in the making. I've been excessive um, asking and holding this the club accountable in the aspect of their community outreach. Besides, you know, just sending players to a practice with a bunch of balls for a photo op opportunity, and this is probably the first time I can say that this actually felt like outreach in a sense, right? As you mentioned, having players from heavily BIPOC schools play in a cup that was, you know, uh, created between two schools back in 2016. Um, because, you know, kids kids love playing for, for stuff, for championships, for cups, for all that kind of stuff. And just being able to add something else to that and then having them experience something that, you know, I as a first-generation immigrant, you know, always grew up, you know, playing on dirt and playing on sidewalks and always dreamed of, 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 you know, playing, playing or touching, you know, being in a, in a field that's, you know, amazing, in a professional field. And then my, you know, all these kids got to, got to live that experience. And all of them kept saying that this is something they'll never forget. Yeah. What and, was it, what was it like the, the experience of, uh, of getting, they didn't get the, they didn't get the Minnesota United locker room, but you know, I, I think the, the, uh, some of the stops were pulled out to to give them kind of a, a yeah no they they had, they had somewhat of locker room access but you know they 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 were in there I mean they were sitting in where all the players usually sit mm-hmm. right and I think uh, when the girls came out like you know they were the the biggest thing for them was just how wide and how big the field was compared to what they were playing oh, yeah. how much space they had and so like the game was slow in a sense of yeah. moving. But but they it, it really was one of those things that um, that really uh, you know was 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 a great experience for all of them. I think also you know having people like Equal Time Soccer broadcasting it live uh, on their Twitter feed and their YouTube channel and whatever other social media was was was, was amazing because none of these kids ever get to get that kind of uh, attention and 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 hopefully with some of that you know there there were coaches watching and seeing that there's talent in the St. Paul City Conference, and um, it was just wonderful to cheer for both teams. And I think uh, a 1-0 victory was 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 fair, right? I think you know most of the times Como had its um, its, its the advantages. You know, Ma uh, number ninety on our center backs. You know, was and and yeah, Ma is really good. Yeah, the the center back for Como was was by far the best player on the team and she was great to watch because she just like she saw the ball and she would get to it every time and snuff it out so it was it was fun yeah to watch when she came down and even when she came down to attack she's like i can attack too like i'll just do it all yeah. like she's fantastic emma's great also a captain and isa you know isa plays the the six which is you know a very um What's the word? Unappreciated type of a role. Thankless job. Yeah, it's a thankless job. And and I think you and like I remember talking to Matt Provaski and he says like you could tell the difference when Issa was out. That's when usually um the other team would get take the advantage and 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 just be able to attack. But whenever Issa came and came in, it was a whole different story. And it was beautiful for like all the families that were there. Um I know a, a good friend of mine, um, Jonah Fields, was also one of the coaches for Como. Um their whole family was there. Where brother flew out from New York just mm-hmm. for that match. Oh yeah, right. And and they all had cut out faces of of their of their of their, of Ava Lopez, which is you know like like the kid. And so like everywhere they went, it was it was just a great, awesome atmosphere. Uh, I think um, 
the fact that at first they capped it at 1500 and then after that they just let it go i mean the whole side was was very well attended it's just it's beautiful i think one of my favorite things too is just watching them celebrate the goal and then watching them celebrate the um inaugural season also the girls got the better deal of special guests because they had sendejas fragapane and um and reynoso but um and the boys, I believe, had uh, Fred Emmings and Brent Coleman. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely the girls, definitely the girls get the better deal. But we got a better deal, and so, and then Kendra was also, you know, doing a coin flip. So, and and you know, it was just overall like, like they they treated the kids like they they were special, and it was their night to be special. And I and I think a lot of families and a lot of people really appreciated that. And I'm hoping that this is not the the first time, nor the last. Um, I hope um, you know the stadium that we we all love to be in um, will continue uh, embracing this and having more high school games there. Yeah, let's do another good, which is that this was the 10th anniversary of uh, the NSC Minnesota Stars winning the uh, the NASL Cup. The trophy um it, it was a big fundamental moment uh in galvanizing um, minnesota soccer history it's where wonderwall came from it's where um quite a lot of things that that we do now came from it's where a lot of fans um came from in those two years um and so uh you know this was something that kind of jim christ a long time dark cloud and jim oliver and bruce mcguire and Kevin Friedland, who was uh, on that team, who was also an assistant coach, um, and myself, we kind of uh, been working on it, uh, and then kind of we're going to do it on our own up at Blaine, and then reached out to to Dr. Bill and said, "Hey, you know, maybe maybe the team should do something," and, and got them. They were involved, and Manny uh, set up something that was special for the players um, to to get a tour of the stadium, have dinner there. Um, and some of the staff, um, former president of the team, Joan Buholtz was there. Um, Angie Blaker, who's still with the team as staff, um, legend Angie Blaker. Uh, and and so we did a party the night before the game, Saturday night. In the back room, we, we had another um, St. Kevin Friedland uh, painted. Um, it was really fun. Uh, we got to see some players that we hadn't seen in a long time. Simone Broccolello, who was just the most gorgeous Italian player we've ever had. And I, uh, when I was introducing everyone and thanking them for coming with a microphone, I, I definitely multiple times in that statement talked about how unbelievably sexy he was. And, uh, when, when we like, uh, then later on where we passed each other, I, I, I like shook his hand and he was, uh, he was definitely like not looking forward to talking to me. <laughs> I was like, man, you should, you're, if you're that good looking, you should be prepared for men to hit on you. I think that, I think that that should be like, you should, this should not be your first time, buddy. Um, but Cristiano Diaz, there was a guy, Anthony Hamilton, who I actually forgot was on the team because he came on loan from uh, Rochester Rhinos. Uh, but he he came out and uh, and I chatted with him for a little while. Um, uh, the, the guys who, from Brave New Media, who created the documentaries that um, that captured um, Wonderwall, which is the, all the images that, that made that big, they were there. It was a really cool thing. Um, that that was a pretty special time for a lot of people, and um, it, it was fun to see those players. Um, not just at that night, but the the next day at the game, they got to uh, to to feel special. Yeah, Jason Mora was there because he he's local. Kentaro Takada, um, 
there's a few players who I, I kind of really was, I was wishing the Madison contingent of Carl Craig, Neil Lavity would have uh, made it out, but, but yeah, it was a great time and it was really fun to see, you know, Manny obviously talked for a little bit and, uh, you know, he was the head coach then, um, and, uh, and he, he talked about how, you know, that, that was really something special, um, that you can't really have these days because it was so small back then. Right. And, um, but then he, you know, talked about, you know, he talked about also like building this into the club and, and, and looking at the future and doing his, you know, he works with the team, his job is to sell the team. So it was great. It was good to see all of them. Um, which, which leads me to the unfortunate bad, which I, we're not going to belabor this, um, which is just that uh, the Wonderwall at this game was uh, against Colorado at home was half full at best, and the stadium was uh, weird. And um, and it, you know, I know that this podcast we've said some things about this protest, um, not the protest, just the 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 fact that we're upset that we can't see our friends at these games. They've been having to stay away because it's not safe, and. Um, and I know that our comments have, uh, I believe, upset some people with the team. Uh, I, I think my my chance at having an interview with Sherry Ballard is now gone, probably. But um, but I, I I just I guess I want to say this, which is that um, uh, like this this is the the legacy that Chris Wright is leaving. Like you can be mad at whatever me or some dumbass with the microphone says, but at the end of the day, um, they have. Uh, basically played hardball and tried to uh, threaten and separate the the um, su- supporters groups and isolate right. them and and do it in a way that like um, there's people who are just walking away from the club like longtime fans who are just like I'm gonna cancel my season tickets I'm not gonna come I'm not gonna do these things and um, and I think that um, watching them actually just light things on fire and and this is the legacy that he's leaving which is alienating people and really ruining what made this club special and you know you can be mad at me for saying that but it's it's a reality it was there in the stadium you could see it right you could see it that's the thing is like uh, you know when you're watching the game and it was interesting how like in other games you've seen the camera pan more of the of the people in the stadium then just focus on the game. And it just felt that this game was one of those where like they were focusing mostly on what was going on in the pitch. But whenever they got a chance to pan and they did pan, you could it it it, it looked it looked like you said half empty, right? And 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 I think that's one of the things that that the two is 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 at the heart of this thing. Is like if you are not willing to have, you know, a, a conversation about what other people feel uh, is important in the aspect of, of safety, then, and then when are you willing to, to have that conversation? I mean, the, I, you know, on Friday was the first time I ever brought Santi to Allianz this, this past two years, because I felt within like 1500 people that majority were going to be masked and he was going to be masked that he would be, mm-hmm. I, I feel safe about that, but I don't feel safe when you walk into a stadium that's, Almost close to nine, nineteen over nineteen thousand people. Yeah, the concourse is completely full. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't, and I think that's a lot. That's what a lot of people are at at that same time. I don't get to share that joy, and and, and embed it into him because we haven't come to an agreement, or we don't see the importance of 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 safety. And yet, you have other other you know states like 
like in California, where like now LAFC has a mandate and LA Galaxy has a mandate. And so like it's slowly getting there and we'll see how much pressure the uh, club executives are, are willing to take. They're just trying to run out the time on the season. And then uh, I guess it's just really depressing to me in terms of um, you can choose how to, how to approach people who are your stakeholders or who really care about the thing that you work at and um, arrogance and fighting them is literally the worst option. Like lighting, like adding gasoline to the fire is a terrible idea. And it's just watching arrogant, rich old men who just don't care. And, um, and that's really depressing to me. I hope, I hope, uh, you know, if I was Sherry Ballard, I'd be pretty mad that, um, that I'm having to clean up some other dude's mess. And it's not just Chris Wright. It's a lot of them. Uh, but, you know, Chris Wright is at least the one I can blame because he's outgoing. So anyway, let's move on to the weird. Uh, I don't want to belabor this crap any longer. I'm, I'm really bored of this subject. So <laughs> let's talk about San Jose versus Cruz Azul in a friendly. And there's this video, this like grainy Zapruder film uh, um, cell phone footage of a pitch invader running under the pitch. And then I think the San Jose goalkeeper sees him running and goes to like intercept him and then the pitch invader like throws a punch at him and then it ends with chris wondolowski putting him in a headlock so i don't know what i else mean to say about it yeah the pitch invader was like wearing a, like a lucha uh, like a luchador libre mask i think he was wearing a santos mask because it was blue but regardless i was like it's like you don't see that uh uh that often very anymore where someone's just willing to do that and and just uh, you know, get get their butt handled by Wondolowski. So, and also it was like a throwaway friendly match, which was like nobody was even at. Like if you looked at the stands during the game, there was nobody in the stands. Like no one even came out for the friendly. And then this guy's like, "It's my time going going to jail to uh, to invade a uh, a friendly with four thousand people at it." Is a it's a it's a choice you can make, and uh, yeah. I, I would suggest I mean, it's not a good choice. It's bold. I'll give yeah. him that. Um, would you guys ever consider uh, really just you know getting your lifetime stadium banned just for one pitch invader moment? So I was so close on Friday. I was so close on Friday. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure you would have been okay. You probably would have sparked everyone going on, and then you would have ruined it for the mayor's cap. So it's you, probably good you didn't. Right. I, I thought about the future. I thought about the future. Because right in front of them was one of like one of the security guys was in front of us, and so like I, I started having a conversation. Was like, in your whole tenure here, have you ever had to deal with a pitch invader? And they're like, not while I worked here. I was like, okay, all right. Then I then I was like less more than likely to do it, but you know like there was, you know there there was just it's just so tempting. You're so close. I was like, I think closest you know besides Mark Seats, that's the closest I ever. Been I know. I'm like, I'm really. You know, thinking hard about bringing you to another match with me because we have second row <laughs> seats that are like the eighteen yard box in the lower level. So Rodrigo I mean, and Lavin are both gonna run out. Yeah, I know. Right. Like, we who's are gonna run first. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach Lavin to just say when I say to say vamos, he's just gonna run off and I just <laughs> go after chasing him and be like, I'm just gonna be like that lady in FC Cincinnati rescuing a toddler. Yeah, it's gonna be planned. You're gonna be like, Lavin, go first. Now I can use you as an excuse to unveil the pitch as well. It's great. We're gonna have this all figured out. Like all I really want to do is just do like a like a snow angel on on Allianz Field. That's all I really want to do. 
Uh, the big dreams. <clears throat> All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a break. We'll come back and talk about Minnesota United. Back on the 55-1 podcast, let's start off with something we haven't done in a while. That's right. It's watch time. Um, about watch season. Yeah, I, I kind of wish we had a little like uh, interlude. Like uh, it'd be like a kind of sound like sixty minutes or something like do the sixty minutes clock sound. But we have a watch to talk about. Mark Fangmeyer, tell me about that watch. Uh, Kervin uh, Ariaga. Did you get that close? Uh, he's a twenty-three-year-old from uh, Honduras. Um, you might remember him uh, in the when the U.S. recently played Honduras in World Cup qualifying when they beat them 4-1. He was one of the kind of standout young players for Honduras in that match. He plays defensive midfield. He's pretty good. He's 23, so he's young. He would, I mean, I would guess, I'm guessing he would be a TAM player based on like, and I, only, I, I think I saw like in transfer market, he's like, his value is like 2.3 million, which would put him kind of like at the, you know, $700,000 kind of salary value-ish for MLS based on like what other players kind of transfer market values are on our roster. And he's too old so, to be a young money DP. So yeah, you know. he's a, he's a year too old for that. Like if he was 22, he could have been it. Oh, no, maybe 23. I don't remember how those rules work, but we need to we need to DM into Miami and see how they fake their documents of like birth certificates and stuff. So they yeah. can, they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's good. It looks like, I mean, He's a six, but he still has two goals on the season. He scores. He gets. He pushes up. Yeah, two um, goals in four hundred minutes ain't bad. Yeah, and he he, from the limited kind of like what I've seen of him, he kind of reminds me more of like a Will Trap defensive mid than a Aussie kind of like you know enforcer defensive mid. Which I don't I don't really know too many Aussie enforcer defensive mids. Anyways, that we could even get besides, you know, what Charo, whatever. Uh, so I mean, get all of the aging when they're when they're too too ex- old for their teams. We'll take them. We're yeah, take Charo next. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he's a young guy. Seems promising at a position where we could use a young guy, and it seems to make sense. And we could use some depth there. And I mean, maybe maybe he's an Aussie replacement. Maybe he's a Grey Goose replacement. Maybe he's all replacing both of them. I. Who knows? But like, I mean, honestly, if you had Will Trap, uh, Dotson, and um, Ariaga kind of filling out our central kind of midfield, it seems like good depth there. So, I mean, I'm it, from first glance, I seem to like it quite a bit. Yeah. So, I should ask you, where did this news actually come across our radar? Uh, it was from La Prensa, which is a Honduran newspaper. At least they're online. And um, yeah, Scott, old school guy from uh, Dark Clouds, found it first. He's quick on the draw on that one. I think and Scott um, Carson pre-exists the Dark Cloud. He's like a, he's like the the ancient uh, pre-existing uh, civilization before the Dark oh, Clouds. I, like I have every single single like Minnesota professional soccer memory I have. Like going back to like when I was like playing like U twelve, like halftime at a Thunder game. He was always there. Like he's always just been there. And I, most fans, I fans won't it. won't know this guy. Um, but his name is Scott Kirsten. He's got kind of long hair, shorter dude, um, 
but he always come in, comes in full kit wanker of the most outrageous like clubs. And he came to the NSC um, anniversary party the other day, and um, he put up a bunch of all of his like he hung all these old stars kits, and um, and he said, yeah, I did a um, I did a full um, check on on all of my uh, um, kits that I have, and I have five hundred and twenty. I discovered. And, uh, and yeah, he just like has like clubs from Thai- Thailand and he has like, again, full kit wanker. He's got not just the, the kit, but he's got like the track pants and the, the warm up jacket and everything. So it's perfect. Um, and my favorite part is like back in like the early nineties, like he was rocking like, cause there's no pockets on kids. Mm-hmm. And so he was like rocking fanny packs before, oh, yeah. pa- all, Still before kids bought the fanny pack. It's so great. Like, honestly, like every, every time I see him, like just memories of everything soccer related in Minnesota, like professional soccer just comes back to me. And I just love seeing him legendary. Um, Let's talk about a legendary loss against the Colorado Rapids, Minnesota United go one up in the eighth minute. Um, The goal was simply superb. Reynoso has the ball. He's moved out toward the left and he sends this little like diagonal ball, between you know around uh the defender and fragapane has to go around him it does an amazing run so it's a great pass great run uh then frank Payne cuts it back and unu gathers the ball has a finish at the far post um you felt like parts of this first half they were really clicking this is the attack that we know yeah. unu scoring a goal is fantastic um but that first half we also gave up five, six shots that, you know, some of them Miller easily saved, but some of them he had to work for. And um, it was going okay, but it was not smooth sailing. No. I think the the interesting thing for me is that um, it depends on the on the, on the team that come, that is out there. But we either pass the ball wide, like side to side, you know, Reynoso wing back to Reynoso, then the other wing trying to find space. Or we play, or we, or we play vertically, and we play quickly. And then one of the things I've been saying uh, um, is that I, I want Ray, I want Reynoso to put those through balls into open space. And this is actually one of those situations where there was a ball into open space, and and Fragapani was able to get to there, and then just you know cut it, uh, you know square right to the 18, which is you know something that we've seen uh, Metanier do a little bit more and more, is square back to whoever is the midfield, and then they just have a shot. Uh, and that works well for Onu because he considers himself as a second forward in a sense. So he's always looning in that area. And and I mean he was a great finish. Like that was that was a that was a really nice like team goal. And to be able to have Fragapane, who I believe now has like, I don't know, eight assists, I think, or um something like that. And it's just a couple behind uh Hill from uh new england revolution it's just um you know i think it puts him in the in the, in the newcomer uh territory because he's been very very valuable for us and it was great to be able to see just how we were able to work that quickly and i think that's the best thing about us is like when we play that kind of style of offense we play quickly and we play vertically in that type of sense we we seem to we seem to catch the defense sleeping and in an awkward position to take advantage of it so yeah, that first half, I was actually pretty impressed with the first half just because, I mean, we're playing Colorado. They're kind of like one of the surprise teams of this season. They're, you know, 
third in the Western Conference. They're playing very well this year. Um, I mean, their their uh, head coach is probably going to get Manager of the Year. He's done amazing things with that roster, like for how like you know small it is for wage wise. And um, it was it was a I mean, both teams had very good chances. It was back and forth. It was a pretty fun game to watch in the beginning. And um, until it I very thought, much wasn't. Yeah, not not the first half. We're talking about the first half, but yeah, until it wasn't. But like no, like it was. I I was impressed. Like I was like, all right, good. We have an early goal. I expect. I didn't think it was going to be an easy game, especially knowing who are the key players that we were missing versus the key players that they were missing. We like it was going to hurt us more. So like the fact that we got out early was good because now we're like, all right. If we have a small advantage going into it early, we can kind of build and not get behind early. Like, you know, just make it a little bit easier on ourselves. And it made the going back and forth between the two teams um, a little bit more I mean, palatable is a bad way to say it, but like, easier to handle because that's what you expected. But at least when you have the one goal lead, you're a bit more comfortable with it. And they looked a bit more comfortable until the second half yeah so let's go back a step and talk about that that lineup um obviously we were missing michael boxall we were missing um ramon metnir in the back line both of them were on uh, international duty we're missing will trap uh who was a late strike because um his uh partner was uh going into labor yeah and um that's by the way yep congrats and we were missing robin lud right the i mean yuka raitala as well but um i mean Adrian's not missing him. So, no. but we had, so then we had um, Brent Coleman filling in at center back. We had um, DJ Taylor at right back. And then we had Hassani Dotson midfield and Adrian Nunu up top. Um, and you, Mark, what, what were you telling me about Dotson? Because I hate myself, I went back um, last night after everyone went to bed and I was just like sitting on the couch looking for something to watch. And I was like, oh, Watch this Minnesota United match again. And it was uh at like it was weird in like the 20 20th, 23rd minute, somewhere in there. Cal Williams is talking about how um Adrian Heath's original plan was to play like after he's been out for you know however many like, like games because he was injured. Adrian Heath's plan for Dotson on his first return back with the team was to once again play him out of position. At right back instead of playing DJ Taylor, which is and the DJ only, Taylor is a right back, and he's DJ Taylor is a right a back. back. He's yeah. our depth who's supposed to be filling in for Metnair. He's the reason right. we signed him. And then the only reason that that didn't happen it was because all of Adrian Heath's plans were thwarted by a baby, yeah, by a baby, yeah. And so it was just bizarre. Like I, I just don't. I, and the thing is, like when I saw the lineup, I was like. This is a good lineup. Like this, as far as like our plan B goes for depth, everybody is in the correct position right. where they should be. Like I was right. I'm very happy with the lineup. And then I find out like, you know, 20 minutes into the match that the only reason we had that lineup is because Adrian Heath was not able to, to fuck it up like he wanted to because Will Trapp's wife went into labor. But, but did he in the end? I guess is the question, right? I mean, well, I mean, there's a the second half. Yeah. I think it's also like I was I was confident with what we had out there, uh, but in addition, you you had to recall Kibben Gucci because they're healthy, and Gregush was healthy, right? At least he was he was in a sub. So I felt like if there was 
any sort of messed up in the midfield, we needed a change in the midfield that you would see probably more than likely Gregorish, and he would he would he would he would he would not miss a beat in a sense. But at the same time, it was just um, not understanding how we didn't use the right substitution in the second half to to get us in a position of that. And we should probably talk about the uh, the red card and at what time that came on and and how that um, kind of played into yeah the, the next steps. Now let's move into the dark place. The the second half um, when. Uh, just amazing tactical noose uh, that um, that they were able to pull off with Colorado. This is why Robin Frazier is is a, is a genius. He was like, "Oh, what we should do is get a red card." And so, um, no, not just that. We'll get a red card, and then we'll do a wholesale hockey style four man line change, and then that's when we pounce. Yep, Adrian Nunu then gets taken out on a, uh, a on a counter attack taken up from behind by Wilson, the center back who gets sent off. And, um, and from then on, I mean, it was just tactical genius from, from Robin Frazier and, uh, and Michael Berrios comes on and uh, just, just wipes the floor with Minnesota. Um, he gets Berrios gets a, a rebound that Tyler Miller didn't do a great job. He spilled it right to Berrios's feet. And then Miller realizes he's beat and he takes down Barrios Cole Bassett finishes the PK and then, you know, it's one, one for a bit. Minnesota had a couple chances there. Um, Frank Payne needs, he and Reynoso need to go to, um, they need to start like walking with books on their heads and, um, figuring out which spoon to eat for dinner because they need finishing school bitches. Um, Oh, I was wondering where you're going with that. That was pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate the (laughs) the support. Um, yeah. And then, uh, in the 84, fourth minute there's a simple goal kick from uh colorado from yarborough weird that man has weird eyes just dead inside um so it goes forward and he's like a zombie jeff Ruder. yeah (laughs) jeff is not gonna jeff doesn't listen to this podcast i know but they 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 are want to hear that jeff will that'll make jeff sad don't tell him you said that um (laughs) so uh, bakai de passe and um chesper chesper (laughs) Jasper, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too worried about how mad Jeff Jeff is going to be about hearing that. Um, and Chase Gasper are both marking men, and the ball comes in, and Debassi and Chase both go for it. The ball gets uh, kind of knocked forward, and then it gets lost, and then all of a sudden, Colorado are on a counter, and it's three v two. This is just from a goal kick, and. Now you've got, uh, you know, basically DJ Taylor trying to chase back, but I think he was injured at this point, or he was not moving as fast. And um, and the ball is quite simply just like cross back over, and Barrios makes a quick run and finishes it. It was, I mean, it's school kid stuff. This was bad. Yeah. It was one on one, you know, scoring a goal, crossing it, you know, and just tapping it in. I mean, I I think one of the things that you know, like. In a in a previous game is like when we had three center backs, it's like the communication. It, it feels to me at least that there's not there's not a lot of communication going on with our center backs specifically on what are they what do they want to do because because the bossy is pushing up so high, and I don't know if is that if, it, if that's because he feels he needs to because the midfield is pushing up way higher, so he's trying to close the gap or. Or what it is, but it's just the fact that 
our center backs are pushing up too far. And, um, you know, Chase was up that way as well, too. So you have already two defenders um, out of position. And so that then and, and that leaves, you know, a perfect kind of storm to be able to do a quick counter once you get possession of the ball. And and that was the thing, too, is like we were getting dispossessed and we were getting pressured and we weren't able to leave that pressure. Uh, and it made it easier for Colorado, who's who's well known for being tactical in the aspect of how to attack and and how to how to overload. And I think, you know, Michael Byers has always been a pain in our butts every time we faced him. So, like, I still don't understand how, like, when he was available to be picked up, why we didn't pick him up just for the sake that he no one else does. So that way we don't have him beat us every time he he, he we play against him. Um. We should talk about the substitutions that were made because the the main sub or the only substitutions that were made uh, were uh, Juan Agudelo coming in for Unu in the sixty seventh minute. Uh, Fernando Adi, um, he did he um, I will say he technically came into the match. He was substituted on the books. Uh, he was his he was there. His body was uh, physically present on the pitch in the 70th minute. And then uh, Nico Hansen came on for Frank Payne in the 82nd. Um, all of those presaged this uh, complete just capitulation uh, of two, you know, they gave up three goals to a 10 man team at home in front of a, a sellout crowd. Cause Cal told me it was a sellout crowd 30 times in 10 minutes. <laughs> um, I, I just like, you can understand Agudelo for Unu, even though it did not work. And Agudelo has had maybe two game, good games for us. Fernando Adi, I, I think, is one of the worst signings in Minnesota United history. Um, I think, you know, Kai Kamara, at least, like, he never he never scored those goals, but he did some of the things, right? He, he did the things that you want these kind of veteran strikers to do. Fernando Adi... It's like he's basically just a um, just a piece of a, a pinball machine, like the ball. Like the ball does hit his body and it moves places, but like usually only with like a weird jangly sound and some lights going off. And uh, yeah, I just he's I, like he's like the weird like you know like on pinball machines like the bumper like pop little thing. Yeah, yeah. he's one of those. Yeah, so he's he not like the even, flipper. Yeah, he does. It just like hits him and it pops back up. It's like it yeah. kind of like. It's kind of like when it hits your stomach, and you kind of push it back out again. Like yeah. that's what he does. Um, yeah, I, I do think I, I think we'd be hard pressed to say a worse player, Alexi Gomez, maybe, because Alexi played played so many games. I mean, um, what about Bob? Fernando, Fernando Bob? No, he wasn't bad. He was like not good, but he was not. Oh no, no, no! I I, I actually am mad you mentioned his name in this conversation. Um. Yeah, we, I I didn't think too hard about this in advance, but <laughs> how much do, how much does Fernando Adi make you miss Wanchope? Oh, a ton, right? Wanchope did a thing, and sure, like Fernando Adi probably costs like eight coupons and like a six pack of Yingling, but like you know, it, I mean, they probably bought the contract from like the USL two team that they that he came from before he came to us. Yeah, and and they're just basically paying him in like Brasa gift cards or something like that. Um, if they need to pay, speaking of, if they need to pay shitty strikers, like I can give them some gift cards. I'll sponsor the team, give them, and they can eat cheese curds. I mean, those cheese curds aren't going to make them any drummy worse. baskets. <laughs> 
I, I don't think they're taking my phone calls at this point. So um, anyway, the, they, the team fell apart. Probably some of the worst um, tactical management we've seen from Adrian Heath in a long time. Yeah, and I just don't get it either because especially uh, taking off Unu so early, like I'm pretty sure he can play more than 60 minutes. Especially because Robin Lude's coming back and he's going to be back on the bench, yes. Exactly, like he and all right. Granted, he didn't. He didn't finish. There were some opportunities where he should have finished better. He could have finished better, but he created those opportunities. He made those runs. He got into positions where he had opportunities. Agudelo had nothing. Like there were, he didn't create any opportunities. I didn't see a single thing that he did that made me think like, oh yeah, maybe they'll score out. Like there's nothing. Like I, I just don't get it. And then you take off Finlay, like. We are up. We have a man advantage. And you take off one of our like fastest guys who is like his whole thing is he's going to run at defenders. And they're short of man. And you put in somebody who is a tree, who is stationary, cannot move, and is slow as hell. Oh, and suddenly like that tactically makes sense. Like, I, I, and the thing is, like, it's not like we had Metnair who is going to be putting in crosses to this guy. Uh, we had... We had nothing. Like, I just don't get it. I would have put um, uh, Ethan Finley's dad, Brent Finley, in mm. instead of Fernando Adi. I'd rather, because at least he'd have some caustic words for uh, Fred for the, Emmons would have what Fred Emmons would have a little bit more up, like a little more gumption to him. He would he had a little more effort to it. He, he's tall, he's lanky, he could still do everything Adi does. He'd at least run and try harder. Right. Kevin Gucci scored a goal at. You know, at the last Kibbe minute, Gucci, you know, Gucci, off, a, off a cross or whatever. So, I mean, it, it's possible. I just, like, what really, like, boggles me in the mind is, like, you first you got to talk about the mental state of the players. They've already been in situations where they've been at red cards and have had a, a, a player advantage and not been able to to succeed. And so you already have that mentality of, of, of like, well, here we go again, right? And, and to... And to borrow um, uh, a term from um, from the Total Soccer Show uh, that they use, but it's also a, a very well. It's, it's, it's that scene from the replacements with Keanu Reeves talks about quicksand, right? And I, and I think being in a situation where you 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 already know that you're not in a good situation, and it just keeps getting worse and worse, and then you can't just dig yourself out, and it's just the the mental state of the players. I mean, it just it just drops and. And you could see it in some sort of sense that they weren't confident enough to be able to do that. Taking out Unu early was just something that didn't make sense. Specifically, if you want to be like the Hernan Losadas of the world, where you're like, vamos, 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 vamos. You want to be the team that you want to be able to beat them and beat them bad, especially when you have that advantage. And what's better than to have a player that already is punishing them in some sort of sense, making them move. And, and and just change the whole lineup in there. I, I still don't understand how Gregorch on the bench didn't get any playing time whatsoever. Like, I don't understand how that's a possibility. Um, the man starts but, the Euros and can't even get in as a sub. And instead, you put Groot in. Um, let's let's move on because I, I we have lots of Twitter questions that are going to be way more fun than this stupid game. Uh, Minnesota United play at Austin this week uh, on the 8 p.m. on Saturday. We're going to have it in the back room of the bar. 
Um, so please come and uh, and then you can throw your hat at the screen with me. Um, or or maybe we'll celebrate because Austin are a really terrible team. Our other remaining matches beyond that are we've got Philadelphia at home, then midweek. We've got LAFC. That's our last, the only other um, Saturday night game at LA or at, at Vancouver, sorry. Um, and then at home, the Halloween game against Sporting Kansas City, which is going to be the scariest of all. That is That one is going to be like... Um, it's going to be like the the blizzard, the Halloween blizzard of 1991. There's going to be this game that, that people are going to be telling about. And then uh, we finish the game at the LA Galaxy. If I look at this, I think Austin are terrible, but it's away. Maybe we get a, a, a draw. Philadelphia are really good, but it's at home. LAFC, I don't even know. Vancouver are sh- like rising up the table, sporting you know, those last three games are going to be really tough. And so we need, we need to beat Austin away. We need to beat LAFC at home. Um, so it, it's going to be tough. I don't know if we're making the playoffs and, uh, and I don't think we deserve to at this point. We're just not a good team right now. Um, and it's, it's been too many of these games that are just embarrassing. So right. on that note, let's take a break and talk some uh, Twitter questions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's do some lightning round. We got a ton of Twitter questions. Last week we got like none, and then this week I, I put a like a desperate call so that we didn't talk about depressing things. So we got a million here. Um, let's see. Uh, Tom Sanders says, name a soccer-related trip you'd like to take in your lifetime. Ooh. Um, geez. I, I, I For I'll, me, it's like I want to go see the, the Super Classico, the – or is that what the the um, Buenos Aires the uh, Boca versus River Plate are called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want like yeah, yeah. going to Buenos Aires is like I would love to do that in my life, and going yeah. going to that game would just be. A I, blast. I I like to be for like yeah. I I like if I was gonna go, I'd take you all to uh, a Copa America final. That's what I would take you all to. All right, I'm I'm in. I mean, yeah. mine's pretty support basic. our Patreon. I, <laughs> I would just like like experience like Dortmund stadium, like when the teams come out, like every time I've watched it, it just seems so amazing. And that I just want to see that and just be a part of it. Um, all right. Next question. Uh, Tim Braun says, how can this team be so bad with the talent they have? How does this not reflect on Heath being shitty with tactics and game management? Uh, I mean, it does. Yeah. I mean, this, this team does have talent, but I think what it doesn't have, Depth is is on those talented positions. Like we have an A squad, which is determined, and we've seen it right with our four horsemen attacking. But when those are missing, or one of those are missing, we don't have like a backup B squad that actually can compete in the MLS. And I think well, how many? That's, how many? That's our problem. How many times this year have we been able to have our first eleven that we think is minted right. with you know whatever? And and so what we've had like two great games this year, <laughs> three great games, you know. Right, the LA know. Galaxy game, and then what was the other one I can think of? So if he's got um, everything perfect going, then he's a great coach. I don't know. Um, uh, no, no, no. But here's the thing: the the issue with that about why it's tactics and not and like our depth. It's it's how Adrian Heath uses our depth. It's how he has his favorites, and he just makes sure that his favorite. He just puts his favorites in, and just wheels them 
into positions where they aren't playing their best position. Like that's been the issue with our depth is that we have depth. Adrian, he doesn't utilize it properly. His tactics are bad. He'll play Dotson on the left wing. He'll play Dotson at right back. He'll play whoever. Like we have depth. It, it probably isn't as good as we all thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. But then coupled with that, poor tactics has been factor in how they have just been poorly utilized as well, which just makes it even worse. And that's been the issue. If loons sneak into the playoffs, this is Markness visible on, on Twitter. If loons sneak into the playoffs as a six or seven seed and have another feckless road performance in a first round loss, any chance Heath is fired? No, um, I think if we make the playoffs, he he stays on another he year. Keeps his job, yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's no team doesn't want to pay for a for someone uh, to 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 get rid of him. Um, Matthew Ide says, "Remember when losing was fun?" No, Matthew, I don't. Uh, Christian um, Fitchett, did you want to? Okay, Fitchett. No, I was just gonna say like when losing was fun is like when everyone got participation medals, right? I mean, I think that was the only time. No, I, I, is he talking about like? When we first came into MLS, Matthew and, like, I, the time. Um, famously he lives in in I believe Delaware now, and he famously had the um, we're just happy we're just to happy here. to be here banner, which, gotcha. which still lives in my office now. Um, Christian Fitchett says, as November is coming soon, do you have something unique you always serve for Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving? I want to branch out and test some new recipes ahead of time. My unique thing is a black truffle turkey with white wine gravy, which is like sick uh, brag, bud. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, for me, I try to like go less on the actual savories or like, uh, I made colaches, I think last year and, uh, I've got a pretty decent, oh, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll make some soon and and deliver them. I got to get back into doing some baking here. Um, what, trying to, what, what kind do you do? Do you do the poppy seed? Because like I'm not a big poppy seed guy. Kind. I know that, yeah, that if I was a proper Czech man, I, I would. But um, no, cream <laughs> cheese is the best. But apricot and cream oh, cheese okay. are, are kind of the, the, the classic. I've been, Cherry I've been is a good one. I'm recipes. I'm going to try to make papa rellena for, uh, for uh, Thanksgiving or family, as we call it in our house. But my mother-in-law uses um, Tito's vodka to um, infuse the uh, turkey so uh, that's really i don't know i've always liked it you know it makes it really oh. nice and bland and stuff so yeah and then uh, i think her potato salad is probably my favorite thing that she ever makes so with her see, with, the, with the avocado salsa so see the best thing the best turkey that we've had the last two years is that i've convinced my family to not get turkey and we just order brisket from somebody oh. and like have it and pick it up the the like you know 11 o'clock the day of thanksgiving and it is so good to get a, just a giant eight-pound brisket to eat as opposed to yeah. dry turkey. I mean, so everyone, hold on. Everyone always complains about dry turkey. You can just not cook it dry. If you're good at cooking turkey, it's not dry. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. like, actually, dry. What you but, should yeah. do is just buy turkey breasts because that's the best tasting part of turkey anyways and just cook turkey breasts. Yeah. Don't do a whole but bird turkey is, is stupid. Not not everyone no one believes turkey is the most important part of Thanksgiving. It's it, it can be replaced. Do lobster instead or, or brisket. But honestly like brisket and mac and cheese is a pretty freaking awesome Thanksgiving. I'm just going to put that out there. Um uh Jess Morovka says everyone loves a false nine but why have we not seen anyone develop the false four? Um I think, which, I think Jim Oliver had the best response to yeah, that. Yeah. No, was that Colin? That was uh, Fran- oh, that Francisco was Calvo was our, yeah. our false four. Yep. Um, Jamie Becker Finn, who sa- says, 
Did you order your uh, Dark Clouds Heartberry Design Sweatshirt with all proceeds going to Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition yet? This is a fantastically... Um, uh, today is um, uh, Indigenous People's Day, and um, they the Dark Clouds merch, and uh, Jamie worked with um, this local Ojibwe um, artist, Heartberry, um, to create this great sweatshirt. I don't really like wearing sweatshirts, guys. I've never worn a sweatshirt since I was like 10. So uh, I don't know what to do here. Um, this is a great one to start with. Maybe yeah. I can well, get you can it buy for, me one. Maybe yeah. I'll get it for my kids or something. I just uh, it's not my thing. It's a beautiful, it's really cool. Everyone should seriously go Dark Clouds merch, go check it out. Um and it's going for it so it's designed by great people. Please do it. Go check it out. Scott Demerinville says, um, are any of you watching the Foundation series on Apple TV yet? I haven't even started Ted Lasso. Okay. Um, well, we, we have a new Ted Lasso channel in, in the Slack channel. Um, for yeah, for patrons. all you. Um, yep. uh, I, I have watched it, started watching it. I'm, I'm up to date. It's very beautiful. Um, I'm really hoping that a storyline emerges it's been four episodes. It's like characters, <laughs> characters just keep disappearing. It's, I feel like it's going to take time. It's one of these big sprawling shows. And so I feel like it's going to take time. The expanse took a whole season to really get going. And I think it's one of the best things on TV, but it's, I'm very interested. I, I need more weird ass sci-fi in my life. Um, Did you watch that one show about the kid, the kid with the horns, who's like the no. mutant kid? Sweet. Oh, it's really sweetheart. good. Is it okay? Yeah, that's, it, was, it was super yeah. good. Yeah, do it. Um, Seth Treptow says favorite Colin Hanks movie. Not I mean, Rodrigo, do you know who Colin Hanks is? Um, no. Okay. Uh, Colin Hanks is actually the um, product of Tom Hanks and Wilson the volleyball um, copulating, <laughs> and. Uh, so he's actually. I mean, um, is is this question limited to strictly movies or do his it, no, TV, TV appearances? Because the answer is is the first season of Fargo. He's he's great. No, 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 no. The, the the correct answer is the House Bunny. Are you not familiar with the movie The House Bunny? Is that with um? Oh, what's it's, his name? Um, I don't know who was in it besides him, but the whole premise of the movie is that um, uh. A Playboy bunny gets kicked out of the Playboy mansion and has to go become the house mom at a sorority. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Wow. And he stars but, in it. I'm glad you no, wait, that wait, movie. but did but didn't Colin didn't he's a producer, right? Uh, yeah, I'm and sure he does lots. Of, he's a rich kid who's related to uh, who's the son of Tom Hanks. I'm sure he does lots yeah. of things. I mean he was Jumanji on, he, is what I would say. <laughs> You're now oh, yeah. on the IMDb page. All right. Leo Spot yeah, says, I am. Sorry. <laughs> Leo Spot says, not a real question, but I've been working on my dad to listen to the pod, and he's now a regular listen listener, so a shout-out to Pat would be cool. Pat, I'm really sorry about all this and having you having to yeah. listen to it. But, so. but uh, Thank you for listening, Pat. Really yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Muchas gracias, Pat. Muchas gracias por escucharnos y darnos todo lo que tú piensas. Y esperemos que le guste. Y si no les guste, por favor, no le digas a nadie. Pat Desolé. Um, Nick Schaub says, is the word feckless used enough? I feel like we're all due for a good fecking. I'm I'm pretty sure after this last Sunday, I I, I got fecked pretty good. So thank you, Nick. I'm not going to look that up. Checking. 
Um, PA Loon says, uh, what karaoke classic sums up your fe- current feelings about the loons? And uh, I'm going to go first because I, I just, I've, I've just got it queued up. I wanted to get our karaoke people to get this song. Jim Carroll Band, People Who Died. Those are people who died, died. Anyway, that's pretty much how I feel. <laughs> that's how, and that's how the episode gets flagged on SoundCloud. <laughs> I, only, I did less than eight seconds. Uh, you guys have answers? Go um, ahead, Mark. I, I was just trying to think of like sad songs. So I was like, I don't know, anything Elliot Smith? Um, maybe maybe uh, <laughs> regarding stacks what, by what Bon Iver. your Minnesota United feelings? Um, Someone yeah, needle in the hay. System, like just all the sad songs, like just just gut wrenching sadness. That's that's about it. Yeah, I was gonna say "Round Here" by the Counting Crows, pretty much. Um, last question here is from Steve Lindley. Uh, this is a, a, a Patreon question. He says, "I love bar talk, so I loved your response to Matt Doyle about how losses are bad for the bar. If it's a good idea, I have two. Well, I'll give you one question. You can ask. What's your dream game outcome date for for purely bar revenues? I've I've not. I don't have enough data to figure out how much a win actually means for revenue, but I'm pretty sure it's it's probably like twenty extra percent or something." Um, Saturday night games are the best, right? We get a long lead up. You get a drag show afterwards. You get karaoke in the back. Just shit's stupid. If we win, that's all that matters. I think, I think one of the games you could go back to is that Dallas game when we um, remember we've talked about it on this podcast when Vito Minone saved the the penalty right at the end. Right, right, um, right. The Dallas win. I'm I'm pretty sure there's a couple games like that that I wish I could go back. And I'm pretty sure it was like that penalty save just. That was like a thousand dollars right there. I gotta imagine, yeah. like, even the time would be better. Like, what if it was like a six o'clock uh start for a playoff match? So yeah. everyone is out at like 8 30 and coming back to the bar just in time to like spend their like the solid chunk of good drinking time at night before you get too, you know, dark and yeah. whatever. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I will say that probably like a, a U.S. men's national team game when we had that, people showed up at like we didn't open early. We just opened at three. It was like a Tuesday. And these guys from like Fargo or like Bismarck were there like, you're not open yet? Dude, it's the game isn't for seven hours. What are you talking? So uh, we we were not prepared for that. So one of those would probably be the best because. I, I still remember the, the very first uh, um, game you hosted at the bar. Yeah. And how like packed that place was. Yeah. Like you couldn't even move. Like yeah. that was like one of my fond memories just being it will be part of that. <laughs> I not, mean, I, I, I feel just, like you're about yeah. to die from it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Right. Uh as as it uh was it what are the kids my kids call it like uh before before the tomorrow tomorrow times. So Yeah. All right, kids. This has been a fun podcast. Uh I felt like last week was such a drag. Um I you know, honestly. It's like the end of the season and I just never know what's going on. And uh, thanks everyone for joining us. If you're still listening at this point, then you deserve a cookie. And uh, (laughs) you're beautiful, you're sexy, and everyone loves you.